When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Well, good morning. How are you? A bit of a strange news day. Bringing back the wolves and banning tractor runs. That's all on the agenda between now and 12. Also today... The man who was just 18 when he tried cocaine for the very first time. Turning a swimming pool into a museum, how difficult would that be? And the so-called just transition. Well, 17 million euro is being made available for tourism projects here in the Midlands. Do you have an idea to cash in on that pot of money? When you call 0818 300 103 is my number. You can text, you can WhatsApp 083 30 10 103. Powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. So let's see what people are talking about today on the front page as well. The Irish Times rewinds the clock to 2020 and 2021 to look at the decisions made during the COVID pandemic and to assess whether they were the right calls. So a COVID-19 inquiry is to be set up and in government they're still trying to decide what form it should take. Should it be a tribunal, for instance, which tends to be very expensive, or a commission of inquiry tends to be a bit cheaper. One little detail, according to the Irish Times, if you give evidence, you will not have legal protection. So let's say you assert that somebody has done a bad job They made a devastating decision that cost lives. Well, you can be sued. So who's going to do that? There's something called legal privilege, which is often extended in these sorts of inquiries, but for some reason isn't going to be on this one. Moving then to the Irish Independent. State to pay for student doctors to study in the North if they commit to the HSE. So we have a problem not just with doctors, but with all manner of medical professionals almost, where we are training the best and the brightest, but many of them are going to greener pastures overseas. And if you are tempted into medicine, the points are very high here in the Republic, but it's a little easier to get onto a course in Northern Ireland. The snag is you have to pay the full fees, not being a British citizen, and that could be £10,000. So the proposal is the state will pay the difference between the fees you would pay in the north and the fees you would pay here, on the condition, on the condition that you will work for the HSE for a period afterwards. Now, if you agree with that in principle, why don't they just do it for all medical students, including those studying here in the Republic, because there is a cost to you and to me and to every other taxpayer in training in UCC and in UCD and in uh, UCC in Cork and so on. Why not make it part of the contract that a student would have to work for the HSE anyway? Or is that going too far? The front of the Irish Daily Star, we want the truth a plea from the family of a teenager who died in a crash. And there are, by the way, three road victims so far this year. We're only on the 4th of January. But this story 
relates to a teenager who died on her Deb's night. Theresa McCann's daughter, Kia, was 17 when she and her pal, Dalava Mohammed, died in Monaghan last July. And clearly they feel they do not have all the answers they want in relation to that case. That being on the front of the Irish Daily Star, the Irish Examiner tells us social housing, the development of it, is being stalled by planning issues. One more, the Irish Daily Mail, if you're a public servant... This might cause alarm. There's a €26 billion euro hole in the pension pot for public servants. Whew. They are the pensions of envy because if you're in the private sector, well, chances are actually you don't have a pension. Most private sector workers don't. But you certainly don't have one that matches the public sector. Let's go inside the papers, see what's worth talking about. Oh, there could be a bit of bother in Ballsbridge in Dublin. St Mary's Home in Pembroke Park is to be used to house families seeking international protection for at least the next year. And a briefing document was given to public representatives in the area this week and so the news has leaked out. And in the past, there have been issues, shall we say, incendiary issues, shall we say, when word like this gets out in the community. So... We'll watch and wait and see what the reaction in Leafy Balls Bridge shall be. Wolves would all be shot if they were reintroduced to Ireland, says Green Minister Pippa Hackett in the Irish Times today. She's given an interview about a lot of things, but this seems to be the issue the paper has highlighted in particular. Wolves died out in Ireland about 250 years ago. And... It was suggested by her party leader, Eamon Ryan, four to five years ago, that maybe they should be brought back. And there was a predictable backlash at the time. So Senator Hackett, who has a beef and a sheep farm herself, says she wouldn't be against the idea of reintroducing wolves. However, she thinks it would be decades away. It would require engagement with farmers and it would only be suitable in certain parts of the country. She doesn't say where. And she says there are certainly not any moves to bring forward the policy in the Green Party. The other issues she discusses in the paper this morning, the Department of Agriculture and her role in trying to sort out forestry, which she claims was in a terrible mess when she started, and it has taken her almost three years to clear a backlog of felling licences, she talks as well about more generous payments for afforestation and so on and so forth. So if you're interested in that, Irish Times. The Irish Independent has some good news for anybody who buys groceries. And let's face it, that's all of us. And grocery prices have shot up in the last two years since the war in Ukraine erupted. But according to a lecturer at TU Dublin, and his speciality is retail pricing, Damien O'Reilly says the cost of living crisis is easing. Inflation is down significantly from last year. And now is the time, after Christmas, when consumers tend to spend less. So that leaves retailers jockeying for position. So he's expecting quite a few discounts to be announced. Already, Aldi has said it has dropped prices across a range of products so a typical trolley will fall 
by 25 euro to 106 quid for a typical trolley. So that's a 20% discount thereabouts. Lidl says it's lowering the price of 100 products this week and claims to have lowered almost 600 products in price since October. And the list goes on and on. More details in the Irish Independent today. Coverage as well of the 30th anniversary of Imelda Keenan's disappearance. The young woman from Mount Mellick was last seen in Waterford 30 years ago and her family believe that uh, she may have been hiding things from them. Her brother Jerry tells the Irish Independent there's a lot of stuff Imelda was going through that we didn't know about back then. And he talks about being young himself at the time, having young kids, so he wouldn't have known everything that was happening in her life. And he believes she was keeping things from her family and down through the years from talking to people she was friends with, we know more about the secrets she was keeping. Moving then to one or two more stories. A letter to the Irish Sun. What do you make of this? Dear Deirdre, my boyfriend told me he might have made his ex-girlfriend pregnant before we started dating, and now I'm finding it hard to trust him. I'm worried the baby is his and that he will go back to her. I am 26. He is 28. I know he was a bit of a player in the past. But when we met, he said he was ready for something serious. Things were going well until his mate messaged him to say that his ex was six months pregnant. Apparently she isn't sure who the dad is, but the timings match the period that she was seeing my boyfriend. He says he doesn't want to be with her. He doesn't want anything to do with the baby either if it's his. As far as he's concerned, it has nothing to do with our relationship and shouldn't spoil it. But everything feels different now. If he's that careless with another woman, and if he doesn't want to see a child that might be his, and it doesn't affect him at all, do you really want to be with the guy? Anyway, that's in the Irish Sun today. If you're hoping the European Central Bank is going to cut those interest rates and that mortgages might become cheaper any time soon, a little bit of cold water being poured on that idea in the Irish Times... There are many economists who believe it will be announced in March. In fact, the financial markets are pricing in a 60 to 70% probability the first rate cut will come in March. But the Irish Times has managed to find the naysayers and the doom and gloomers um, who believe it may be June. June is when the first interest rate cut will be announced. Let's hope the first group are right. Do... Country people make better workers than dubs. Well, the Irish Times introduced, or excuse me, the Irish Independent introduces you to Cottle Friel. So when he was 16, he got three things from his father. He got control of a struggling family business. He got a deep dislike of debt. And he received a share trading account. And so from there, he managed to build a very good life for himself. But he says, Colchis are better employees. And actually, even in Dublin, we will hire Northsiders. And the reason is, Southside Dubliners are too comfy, too obsessed with having a four-wheel drive and the red brick house. They may earn big salaries, but they'll take on the car loan 
a substantial mortgage, they'll put their children into private schools and at the end of the year they have no cash, it's all spent. And that's why the vast majority of new business ventures are set up by country folk who tend to be a bit wary of debt, he says. Is he right? If you're from Southside Dublin, how do you feel about that? Operation Transformation was on the box last night. Great interest in Kilbegan, of course. Very negative review in the Irish Independent today. If it's so popular, why can't it get a sponsor, is the headline. And anyway, the person who writes it openly admits, I'm sorry, I've never liked it, I never will, it's just not for me. It's about fat shaming. And while the emphasis may be on wellness and making healthy changes, the leaders still don't have... Uh, still have to don the tight-fitting bodysuits that accentuate every bulge as they're being filmed. And it's too repetitive, and every season is essentially the same. Yeah, Come on, get into the spirit of things. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Weather forecast, finally, there's going to be a big chill come the weekend. If you've any bedding plans out, keep that in mind. Anything that might be damaged by frost. We're going to have temperatures daytime, uh, today, tomorrow, Saturday, 6 to 9 degrees. Overnight, though, anywhere between minus 1 and plus 3 degrees. If there's any sort of rain, then you could have freezing conditions on the road first thing in the morning. Just bear that in mind if you are commuting. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Keep following the stories at midlands103.com. Midlands 103. In 15 minutes, you may have seen those giant machines going into supermarkets for the bottle return scheme. In the Netherlands, such a scheme has been in place since 2006. So we're 18 years behind the curve. Although you could argue we're just going back to the future on it. Anyway, we'll take a look at how it works in Holland in practice in around 10 to 15 minutes time. First, the tractor run. In just about all local communities, there has been a tractor run from one time or another to raise funds for a local cause. And in Tullamore, on last Thursday, the 28th of December, there was such a tractor run taking place. But that was the location where a group called Just Forests has kicked off its nationwide campaign to ban tractor runs. And you may have seen that taking place at the intersection of Harbour Street and William Street. Let's meet Tom Roach, who is the founder of Just Forests. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Will. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. What is Just Forests, first of all? Well, Just Forests was founded here in Tullamore back in 1989 by myself. I'm a furniture maker, and at the time I became very much aware of the fact that the wood I was using, a lot of it was coming from Brazil and a lot of it was the results of illegal logging and I did not want to be part of that. So I uh, wanted to continue making furniture in the tan yard. So I set about highlighting uh, the issues associated with illegal logging and I introduced the Forest Stewardship Council to Ireland back in 1995 and now all of Ireland's timber produced in this country and exported is all FSC certified. So I have been very conscious that my livelihood depended on my use of wood, but I did not want to be part of the illegal logging scenario. And that's how, why I started Just Forest back here in Tullamore in 1989 and have been very active ever since because 
deforestation is not just about wood. It's also about human rights. It's about ecology. And it's about responsibility to ensure that we do not destroy the natural world in the pursuit of our livelihoods. And it's as simple as that. Um, nothing scientific about it. It's just simple good practice that we do not destroy the natural world in the pursuit of our livelihoods. So that's your background and that's, that's where you're background. coming from on this. But that's right. make the connection for us with the tractor run. Uh, obviously, you're environmentally conscious and concerned. Why did tractor runs um, draw your attention in the last few years? Well, well, in recent years, I, 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 every dog in the street knows that emissions from fossil fuel burning is causing huge environmental problems, uh, in particular global warming. We have been um, producing fumes from fossil fuel burning for for, for, decades, for centuries. Uh, so it has come to a stage now where our weather is really going against us. Biodiversity is suffering enormously and um, I am of the opinion that if we really care about our future, we have to look at alternatives to burning fossil fuels. And when I see a tractor on, and don't get me wrong, I think the people behind them are wonderful people. They are volunteers and they are so well-intentioned. But the tractor runs are producing the carcinogenic emissions that are causing a lot of the problems that these tractor runs are going out to help raise funds for. So it's um, indirectly, or directly, it's, it's, it's just not consistent with the goodwill of the people that are behind the tractor runs. And I say, You've suggested it would be akin to a group of smokers raising funds for cancer exactly. research. Exactly. I'll put it to you this way, Will. Would you ask a group of people addicted to smoking cigarettes to raise funds for lung, can- for lung cancer patients' care? I wouldn't. And I, I don't think it would be acceptable in this country. Smoking is banned in public because of the, um, the, 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 the health factor. Uh, likewise, the emissions coming from tractors and from all vehicles are causing huge um, breeding problems for people. It has become a global, global issue. And I'm saying that uh, for people who are so enthusiastic about tractor runs, please consider what you are doing. There are other ways of raising funds for great causes that I will fully support any tractor run enthusiast to get. And I'm actually producing a book because at this moment, the alternative fundraising projects that can be done uh, without tractors, they'll be full of family fun and it will be launched in, in March of this year here in Tullamore. So there are lovely, lovely ways of raising funds. Well, can we explore some of those? I know you want to obviously launch the book, and, and but yeah, give us yeah, a... Yeah, no, I'm not, one, I, I'm not one into them now, Will, because I am keeping them as a surprise because some of them are going to be so unique that people will be dying to get at them. Okay, but just e- even suggest one. Even suggest no. one for the well, benefit I, okay, of... I, because the, the farming community okay. obviously wants okay. to okay. help in local communities. Right. How could they okay, do it? Well, 
Yeah, okay, well, I'll suggest one that I actually ran in Tullamore myself in 2011. It attracted 640 people to the uh, Tullamore Court Hotel. I had the chieftains there. The, uh, Paddy Maloney, Lord of Mercy, I mean, he just passed away uh, there in the middle of 2023. Paddy Maloney brought his full entourage to Tullamore. I, I got in touch with him and I said, Paddy, I need to raise funds. I said, all of our beautiful musical instruments are dependent on trees for the wood to make them. I said, at the moment, a lot of these species of wood are in decline. So he listened to me. 640 people turned up. I raised 31,000 euros on the night and a very good local benefactor here from Tullamore stepped in and handed Paddy Maloney his fee of 12,500 euros for the night. So just for us grossed 46,000 euros on that night. Now, that's an example of what I'm going to be suggesting mm. The only uh, the only difficulty I can see with that, and I'm going to speak for my own community in Clonbelog, where there is an annual tractor run, there wouldn't right. be such a venue, and probably in a community of that size, there wouldn't be the the volume of people to go to such an event and raise that sort of money, and a tractor run in the open air um, probably seems far less offensive than you've portrayed it? Uh, well, Ed or um, Will, there's another thing, apart from what you've said, yeah, there's a certain amount of truth in what you said. It's, we have to change our ways. Now, that's like saying that a smoker, instead of smoking 20 cigarettes a day, he's only smoking five. He is still contributing to his poor health. So it's not a matter of, of, of the volume. It's a matter of attitudinal change. If we do not change our attitudes, we are passing on messages to youngsters to say it's okay if we continue um, emitting these um, carcinogenic fumes. It's not okay. And we shouldn't be leading children to believe that it is okay. We need to be showing them from example. You're either a smoker or you're not a smoker. You're either emitting the fumes or you're not emitting the fumes. But respectfully, so, Tom, is it an exact parallel? Because you can make the choice to stop smoking altogether. We don't yet have a propulsion system to replace the diesel engine in a tractor. Uh, battery electric tractors, hydrogen tractors, they're still some distance away. So what else are farmers to drive? That is true. I'm not saying... That. No, and I agree entirely. My father was a boatman on the Grand Canal. All of my uncles bought on the Russes from Roadside, my mother's people, and the, all the roaches from Chapel Street and Tullamore were all boatsmen. When those barges stopped, they had to find new ways of working, and they did. And this is, a, I know, I agree with you, Will, this is a long-term process, but we have to start taking small steps towards it. And uh, every change that society has to face, there's always going to be obstacles and challenges. But we need to start small steps at a time and we will get there. But 
I agree. There's, there are huge challenges for farmers. And I know, I know myself, I, I'll be honest, I drive a diesel car. I prefer to be able to afford to drive a, an electric one, but I can't. It's 15 years old and I'll probably have it as long as I, I live mm. because I'm 75 now. But I can't afford it, and I agree. But, but here's uh, another dilemma on that, Tom. Even if you could afford an electric car, where does the electricity come from? Where do the lithium-ion batteries come from? Where does the cobalt within those batteries come from? I it's very agree. hard to know which is the lesser of all evils. Uh, well, uh, no, I, 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 can't, uh, I, I can't accept that. Uh, we have, sure, problems, yeah, in, in producing the, the energy needed. I built a, a timber frame house here in Road back in 2000 when I left Tullamore. It's, 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 it's local, it's timber from iron. But I have no gas and I have no oil and I have no peace. I am fully electric in this house. And that, uh, and that electricity is coming from windmills and it's coming from renewable sources. So I, I, I made a huge decision. It cost me a few extra quid at the time. I said, no, I'm not going down the oil road. I'm not going down the gas route. And uh, I, I put in all electric. So I have all electric here and uh, I find it very manageable. But the likelihood is at night time when you will be charging an EV, you won't have the benefit of solar. And if the wind is slack, where will it come from? Other than the power infrastructure that's already there. I know, Will, we are never, ever going to be without fossil fuels. I know that. I'm not that naive. But renewable energies will become more and more as people buy into it. Already there's a huge sale in, in electric vehicles. And the infrastructure will be put in place. I mean, I went on site last, online last night to see that there are electric, tractor, electric tractors available in Ireland from a company outside of NACE. And I'll be ringing them today and I'll be asking them, will they let me borrow one of their electric tractors to do my run from Mallonhead to Roaches Point? And, um, and, and tell us more about that. We focused, I suppose, on the concern that you have. It's how yeah. you're going to express that concern and how you're going to build on what started last Thursday in Tullamore. Right. Well, what I intend to do, Will, uh, I will randomly select a number of towns and villages where I know tractor runs are going to take place in 2024. And I will just appear there without notice or without any uh, fanfare and I'll just stand and I'll, I'll, I'll hold up my placards as I wish to see a band to track the runs because it's a public health matter. Every, on, the, on, on our own health board website, it's telling us that fumes from fossil fuel burning from combustion engines are a major source of, of, of um, breathing difficulty for thousands of people, even across the Midlands. So, I mean, I, I, it'll be as simple as that. And yesterday I launched my series of education resources. It's online. I'll send you a link to it later where um, people can get involved in education for sustainable development that won't cost the earth. And one of the booklets, as I mentioned earlier, will be the alternative fundraising guide to help 
communities across the Midlands and across Ireland yeah. to raise funds for their for their for their favourite causes that will be much more uh, beneficial to the people they're raising the, the funds for. Well, so, uh, not everybody is going to agree with you, and that's the nature of life. No, but when yeah. that book is ready, will you pick up the phone again and let's explore some of those ideas? I will indeed. I'd be delighted to. It and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to have a chat with you this morning. And please, don't get me wrong. I am not against the tractor people. I know that they're so well-intentioned and they're well-meaning. But please, let's not be telling children at this stage when we're, we're in a crisis, Will. We're, we're in an enormous crisis, uh, enormous challenges ahead. Please, we need to be nur- nur- nudging our children towards a better way of life. We need to be protecting them from, from these emissions. We need to be protecting them from uh, misinformation. So please, you know, uh, I, I, I fully admire the, 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 the well-meaning concerns of the tractor-run people. And, um, you know, I will be so willing to work with any of them who want to organise an alternative fundraising event that I can, and I will gladly give my time free of charge. Tom, Volunteerism uh, uh, is very important to me all of my life. appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for taking the call. Tom Roach is the founder of Just Forests. Do you agree? Does he have a point? Do you disagree? And what's your issue? 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp, powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. 12 minutes to 10. How the bottle return scheme works in the Netherlands. Next. The Midlands most listened to radio show, Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. After 10, does the Midlands need a museum? We have the Famine Workhouse in County Lease. That's probably the closest thing to a museum, or am I forgetting something? The deposit return scheme is kicking in from the 1st of February, in which you will receive 15 cent back on a small plastic bottle or can, or indeed 25 cent on a larger bottle, and the machines are starting to appear in supermarkets all over the Midlands. However, if you were living in Holland, this would be old news. Tom Cleary has spent the last 45 years in the Netherlands. He's originally from County Offaly. Morning, Tom. And thanks for taking our call. So how does it work where you are? Well, the Dutch are very conscientious of uh, the environment, so it uh, it works very good and very quickly as well. Um, Everything is organised, so uh, for cans lately now you get 15 cents for every can you you, uh, put uh, put back into the, the supermarket. Small plastic bottles are also 15 cents and big plastic bottles are 25 cents you get back. And lately now, Coca-Cola have um, the caps on the bottles. They uh, are not removable, so the the caps stay on as well. And then you have normal plastic, uh, which will be collected uh, twice a month in an orange container from your house. So that everything is... Very well organised. You have bottles, uh, bottles, green bottles, brown bottles, and white bottles, all uh, separated. Also, and where do you bring them to? Is it 
to the supermarket like it will be here? Uh, yes, uh, the general waste, so like uh, your meat or uh, uh, bread, uh, uh, plastic, uh, that, that's, uh, you have the container behind your house or in front of your house, and uh, that's for general waste. And then for bottles, you have uh, everywhere you have uh, containers for the, the bottles, for glass, and uh, in the supermarkets then for the cans and small plastic bottles and big uh, plastic bottles. You have machines you put the bottles into or cans into. And one of the questions many listeners had here was, well, will it be habit forming? Because they're in the habit now of putting many of these plastic bottles into their recycling bin, which they pay for. And the, the way this would appear to work is you have to put that into your car, drive to the supermarket, put them into the machine there, it's a bit of a faff. Are people motivated to do it in Holland? Oh, yes. The, the, like, there's no question of that at all, Will. The, 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 the Dutch people, it's, it's a way of life uh, uh, here in Holland. Like, uh, don't even question that uh, at all, sort of. Don't. And actually, I was surprised when uh, Claire got on to me yesterday about this. Uh, topic. I thought it was already in place in Ireland, so I did. I was very surprised. It may have been when you left. I know there was a scheme donkeys years ago about glass bottles and getting the money back, but in recent decades there hasn't been anything. We've talked about it for a long time, Tom. We're very good at talking about things, but (laughs) only now are we getting around to doing it. (laughs) Yeah, but like I... uh, in 2006, uh, in the supermarkets that had started in Holland, but a group of women started this in 1972. Yeah, mm. 1972 it was. So in Holland here. And in Holland, like 56% uh, is recycled here in Holland. Like it's not just plastic or glass, also uh, batteries, medicine, clothes, electric gadgets, uh, you give everything a sort of paper and cardboard also. You give everything a second chance, sort of. Yeah, so it's culturally very expected yes. almost that recycling will take place, whereas here we're not... Uh, there are some people who are very active in it and make a great effort to separate all their waste in their bins and others perhaps are less motivated to do it and it'll take more time. One other point that people had raised, if there's a homelessness problem... Uh, like there is here in Ireland, would you ever see people rooting in bins trying to find tins or plastic bottles so they could return them and get some money? Yeah, the the return of cans uh, has started that uh, habit also for homeless people or people down on the look. And the, 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 the search of the rubbish bins in the course... The rubbish to take out of the bins and don't put back. So you, Amsterdam is a big city, of course, and very much populated also because, like, Holland is the size of Munster and there's nearly 18 million people uh, living in Holland. So there's a lot of people, so that means a lot of rubbish also. So that, that is a problem. Uh, uh, people looking for that 15 cents on a can or uh, on a small plastic bottle also. So that, that, that happens here also. 
something for the local authorities to be aware of that uh, they may have to pay closer attention to the bins to make sure that they are tidied yeah, up afterwards. The, the, Tom, yeah, they've been interviewed. Yes, I'm grateful as always for your time, and I forgot to wish you a happy new year. And I forgot to say it to you also, Will. I wish you a very happy new year, and all my friends and family in Banner and Bor also. Take care, Tom. Love the Midlands. Good morning. Now, still on the agenda today, hopefully, fingers crossed, grocery prices will come down now that Christmas is over. I'll tell you why and just what sort of reductions you can expect in around 20 minutes' time. Also, the awfully man who was 18 when he tried for the first time, and it would become, unfortunately, a daily ritual... And on Rewine and Review with Wine Saltburn, seems to at the moment, but it's rather reviews. Have you watched it? What's your verdict? And you text 3301010 on text or WhatsApp uh, for your comment. Speaking of comments, the notion of banning tractor runs has received a lot of comment and some for and against. For instance, a few listeners have suggested the tractor run has just become a means of showing off how fancy your tractor is, how much money you have, rather than what you're prepared to contribute in your community. Alan in Westmeath, however, believes Tom, who's objecting, is wasting his time. What about a protest at the airport? All of the aviation emissions, what about them? On the Green Party and the interview in the Irish Times with Peppa Hackett today, suggesting that one day, decades hence, wolves might be reintroduced to Ireland. Cyril says, would it be better to let the wolves in or have the Green Party? Regarding the glass bottle, or rather plastic bottle return scheme, along with tin cans, will, in order to get the money back, will you be charged extra at point of purchase? Yes, exactly an extra 15 cent on the tin or on the bottle, or 25 cent in the case of the larger bottles, that's how you get the money back. So as many people have described it, it is a form of tax. Will, I bought an electric car last year, says David, and in the weather of last week, the car stopped working, and I am still waiting for the dealer to fix it. I will not be going there again. How many times do electric cars break down versus how many times does an internal combustion engine give trouble? That would be an interesting study. One we should look up and we will. Anyway, that's a selection of comment. For now, we'll be back to others and thank you for all the texts in a few minutes' time. Does the Midlands need a museum? We have the Famine Workhouse in County Liege. But really, as a museum location, I can't think of anything... There are historical centres, a great one in Offaly. Westmead in particular, where would you go to see the history of the area reflected? Well, it has been suggested by Fianna Fáil councillor Bill Collentine that the former swimming pool in Mullingar could become, uh, could become a museum when it is no longer able to meet the needs of the town because plans are afoot for a new regional sports complex in Robertstown, by which time the existing facility will be redundant. And what do you do? 
we've had the army barracks in Mullingar uh, very much underused for more than a decade. So now let's try and get ahead of the curve before the same happens to the old swimming pool. Let's pick the brain of Jason McEvitt. He is a historian from Mullingar. He's also a history and English teacher. Morning, Jason. Good morning, Will. How are you? Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns. Would the swimming pool lend itself to being a museum? Is it suitable for that purpose to begin with? Well, actually, do you know, I had a look at the swimming pool and I just want to say I want to compliment Councillor Bill Collentine on this forward thinking. I mean, it's great that we're, we're talking about this museum at political levels and we've been pushing this for a long time with museum. Um, yes, you mentioned Army Barracks. That would have been the ideal location. There's stuff going on there at the moment, but we won't rule that out just yet. But when it comes to the swimming pool in Mullingar, um, and Councillor Collentine's uh, excellent proposal. I, I, I think it's a very fitting location as well in the town of Mullingar. I mean, it's already in public hands. And I mean, the thing about what you, when we look at museums and interpretive centres, as we call them now, because the day of a museum being somewhere where you go in and you look at an artefact in a glass cabinet, well, that day is gone, Will. I mean, if, what we'd be thinking in the vision for an interpretive centre dash museum would be something like on the grounds of epic in Dublin, you know, where you have these 3D screens mm. and you always you, you have a narrative. And I think uh, where the swimming pool is in Mullingar, the, new, or the old swimming pool, should I say, or the current swimming pool, is, would be an ideal location. It's the centre of town. It's owned by Westmead County Council. Like, museums are not great run as a private entity. I mean, I mean, you're not going to make huge money out of them. So the fact that it's in public ownership already, that facility, is excellent. Now, now let's, I suppose, call out perhaps the elephant in the room. You've suggested yes. that sometimes museums can be seen as not necessarily the place to go. What would you put inside to draw, not necessarily a crowd, but to make it worthwhile? Well, to make it worthwhile, I mean, I mean if, we, if we look at Mullingar, OK, I mean, we've we the Hill of Oshnock just outside the road there and there, there's actually a tourism trade there. We have also Belvedere. But I think what's important with a museum in Mullingar, I mean, I mean, it's huge, OK. You could look at the ancient military history of the town. I mean, we would have a peace process. I mean, after the Battle of the Boyne, Mullingar was garrisoned by the army of King William of Orange. I mean, they're there, for example, that that's a sort of a military aspect. But I think the elephant in the room, to, to use that term again, is the fact that we are the music capital of Ireland. Mm, mm. Well, you know, we Joe Dolan from the town there, the Dolan family and Joe has given great service to our town and we have a statue there. But wouldn't it be nice, there's not a day I don't walk down the streets of Mullingar and people don't stop me, especially people visiting the town. Oh, where's Dolan's pub? Or where's Joe Dolan's statue? Where's he buried? Stuff like that. And of course, let's be honest, we've got Niall Horn. And, and Niall Horn has been... He's done wonders for Mullingar. I mean, the great Joe Dolan did it too. But we have people coming into Mullingar with Niall Horn and all this. And, and in fairness to Niall, he's wrote a song there with features Mullingar in it. He's spoken a lot about Mullingar. And I think it'd be great now that Mullingar gives him something back by having an area where he can put his awards in there, where, where there can be sort of um, an interaction of this is Niall's town, this is where Niall is from. So, so alone when we look at the music, I saw it there. But the list the is so vast of, of artists and, and musical culture <laughs> that it's dangerous to start naming almost, but you've no, probably it, picked out the big two. There's Brezzy, the, the two, Academic, and, and let's not forget, of course, Coltis as well. Yes, Yes. And I mean, I saw it there during the Fla. I mean, I was in town during the Fla there. And, you know, people, again, as a historian, will come with me, you know, this is where Coltis was founded. This here was where, you know, the first Fla was held. 
But we'd actually nowhere to showcase the museum and the history of this, the artifacts. We'd nowhere. People would come and look, and is there a museum that we can actually look at this? And I remember a couple of years ago, I was speaking to them in Cavan County Museum, and they had an exhibition about the flag hole and about the flag when it was created and founded in Mullingar. But actually, during the flag, we didn't have that type of thing. So music alone would attract us to the town. And I mean, as I said, where the swimming pool is located currently is, is in actually a very historic part of Mullingar because that's near where the Augustinian Friary Monastery was located on that side of town. And also you have the Annabrook Hotel across. But even on the grounds of the town park where the swimming pool is, well, that's a very historic site in its own right. I mean, the, in the area of the Frank House. And so you're talking about the historic part of Mullingar where the swimming pool is. So I, I, I think definitely the music. Yes, the, the military. Yes, transport. Mullingar being a transport hub. But, you know, it, it's... Look, you've made a good uh, case for having a museum as a purpose. I'm sure the council would have to consider other possibilities as well. But let's talk yes. about who will ultimately drive it. When you take other communities, and I'm thinking Tullamore, for instance, with the Esker yes. Arts Centre... It couldn't just be the council driving it. There was a committee, a voluntary committee that for years put in long hours and burned the midnight oil and all on a voluntary basis. Do you suppose there's the same energy uh, other than yourself and maybe Ruth Illingworth? Is there a core group you could put together to make this happen? There, there, there are a core group actually, and, and I've been approached by people, and uh, you know, and I don't want to mention names on the on the radio at the moment, but there's been some big good people in the town of Mullingar who've been uh, organising stuff over the years, who've, who've been very willing to come forward on this and create a steering committee and look at the viability study of the whole thing. And I mean, for instance, there we know see Mullingar Chamber of Commerce there even with heritage plants been really pushing this type of thing with museums for the town centre. So I think with Mullingar Chamber of Commerce being on board there pushing this and, you know, I think everybody in the town pushing this. So so it's it's not that it's maybe just Ruth and I and maybe a few of us historians. I, I, I think there's a lot of people in Mullingar there are now seeing the necessity of this, and especially in the, the area of music and entertainment, but definitely in the area of business and commerce. You know, people are seeing this, and, and indeed our, our Westmead County Council are even recognising this. So it's a case now where we all come together and we all have a conversation about this. And we make this happen because conversations are great, but conversations should lead to actions. And it's, it's now time for action. And again, as I said, I, I very much welcome Councillor Bill Collentine's uh, proposal here. I, I think it's an excellent proposal and, and, and I think it's a step forward. Jason, always good chatting with you. Happy New Year and thank you for taking our call. You're very welcome and thank you. Happy New Year. Cheerio. Jason McKevitt is a historian in Mullingar. Hilda suggests, yes, museums being decentralised is not such a bad idea. Maybe a youth centre is more urgent, though. Otherwise, the youth end up hanging out in shopping centres and we hear adults complaining about that like clockwork. They need a space they can exist in without being expected to spend money. Will, don't buy these plastic bottles and cans, therefore you won't be paying the tax and you won't have to bring them back, says Joe. That may be easier said than done in this day and age, Joe, to try and survive without having a plastic bottle or a can at some point in life. Even think detergents is not necessarily those bottles you drink from. Actually, that's a point I'm not even sure on. Will the levy extend to things like detergents or is it just on bottles for drinks that you consume. 
Well, I'm very conscious of recycling, says Maria. Bottle banks and also batteries and electronics. It's so easy to recycle if you make the effort. Um, Pat in Abilix is wondering about the fundraiser Tom Roach mentioned, in which 600 people attended a concert in Tullamore. Did they, by any chance, walk or did they drive their cars to this concert? And in which case, was it more damaging than the tractor run? Hmm. Good, good observation there. And from Brian, I'd love to be able to share this. He sent a picture of the sun rising over Loch Ennell and he says, Happy New Year to all. And it's a lovely, lovely image. Thank you, Brian, for that. What have you to say today? When you call 0818-300-103 is the number and you'll be chatting to Shannon, who's in great form today. Or you can text her WhatsApp if you're in work. Send a sneaky one on 083-3010-103. The home of the Midlands Today Show. Right here. Let's turn it up. Monday to Friday from 9am. Midlands 103. 24 minutes past 10 on Thursday morning. Will Saltburn is the worst movie I have ever had the misfortune of watching. One scene depicts a man having sex with a grave. This is not art. Ugh. Not well after hearing that. Will, years ago, when we were kids, we collected glass bottles from everywhere, from rivers and hedges and God knows where, brought them back to the shops for a few pence... And there was no litter left lying around anywhere, says John. Hmm. But are we maybe a little bit more spoiled today? One listener suggests nobody's going to be searching in bins. Be realistic, Will. People have so much money today. Surely they're not going to be salvaging through bins, scavenging through bins. Indeed, time will tell on that one. I want to extend some good wishes to Ken Smullen. Ken was going to join us on the programme today, and you may know him from the Ken Smullen Food Appeal, which he has been running here in the Midlands for many, many years, and he's had a rough run of health lately, and he's going through treatment for cancer, and he was going to join us and talk about that journey. And unfortunately, Mother Nature, being as it is, and cancer doesn't really spare anybody when it comes to the upset and the the sickness that goes with it. He's been asked to stay in hospital for another couple of days and unfortunately he's not able to be with us this morning. So we just want to tell you, Ken, that we are thinking of you and we know the boss is doing a good job minding you and hopefully the strength comes back very, very soon. So lots of people extending their best wishes to Ken Smullen and all in good time, Ken. Focus on what's important and we'll talk again. With Christmas in the rearview mirror, no doubt the bills are going to be landing, so some good news on the financial front would be very, very welcome. And we have some already this year. You know energy cutting its prices again by 8%. The general consensus is that interest rates are going to come down possibly towards the middle of the year, maybe even a little sooner. Some economists say March. So let's talk about grocery prices, the bread and the butter. Well, there's a good chance you will see further cuts from supermarkets after Christmas. And let's find out why from Damien O'Reilly, who is a lecturer in retail management 
at TU Dublin. Damien, you're welcome to the programme and a Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you, Will. So what are the forces working in the consumer's favour at the moment? Well, <clears throat> the cost of living crisis is easing. Inflation is significantly lower than it was last year. Um, the supermarket area is very, very competitive. And we're in a, a, a new year now where January is the... Uh, the the local uh, the, the where people spend the least amount after spending a lot of money on food at, at the Christmas period, uh, uh, so um, we can see now there's a fight for market share and Aldi have been the first to the market in this, in that they've announced 23 uh, percent um, de- uh, decrease in prices over the uh, uh, over the next coming weeks. And is there any pattern to those? Are they across the board or on some product lines only? Um, they're across the board. They say, they say they're on um, um, things like uh, uh, food that uh, for lunch boxes, for example, um, um, protein, chicken, uh, ham slices, yogurts, mm. kids smoothies, etc. So they're on uh, staple items that people would buy for their sandwiches and for lunch boxes. Um, but again, it, it doesn't list out all the products that are that are that are uh, decreased. But it says several hundred products. And likewise, Lidl claiming to have lowered the cost of 600 products since October and more to come this week. That's right. Yeah, and Tesco did 700 there last year as well and um, um, our price matching with Aldi um, at the moment. Um, Super Value are doing the same. So all the supermarkets are looking for that market share at the moment. And what's happened is that prices have stabilised. The input costs have stabilised. What you're seeing, the produce that you're seeing on your shelves, your fruit and veg, um, and your meat products, you know, a lot of that was um, was was uh, signalled. The input costs for those um, were maybe six months ago when they were put into the ground, like, you know, for a potato or for a carrot or whatever. It takes a certain period of time for it to grow. So the input costs have been there from about six months ago. And uh, so the prices are are known for probably the next three months. So retailers can now set whatever prices they think um, as uh, favourable for the consumer. So given that lag, that'll help, I suppose, see the crystal ball a bit more clearly. What do you expect in the months ahead? Well, I expect the months ahead is that there's going to be first competition in the market. Um, plus, I would expect that with input costs are going up again, labour costs are going up, oil costs may go up, uh, what's happening in the the, uh, the Middle East in the Suez, uh, with ships now being diverted away from that area, may put extra pressure on uh, on costs as well. So you know, I can see costs um, increasing prices, although they're coming down in a lot of products. In other products, they're they're going up, and you know, I probably see food inflation at around three percent for the remainder of the year. Uh, you know, not notwithstanding what may happen in uh, certain critical areas that may affect the price of oil or input costs again. Here's a good question from a listener. So with nearly all of the supermarkets having one promotion or other and announcing cuts, is there much point in shopping around or do you see certain supermarkets becoming a price leader on certain product lines and therefore there is reason to go from one to the other? Well, uh, certain, like Tesco, for example, would probably have around 22, 23% of the market, but they would over-index in the likes of um, alcohol, for example. So people do shop around in different areas. They've taken out the meat counters in Tesco, so that gives uh, the likes of Super Value 
uh, and Dunn's um, uh, kind of a, uh, an advantage when it comes to fresh meat, for example. So, you know, people do shop around depending on what they, what they want. If they're looking for value, you're probably looking at, um, you know, the lowest cost providers, everyday low prices as, uh, um, as given by Lidl and Aldi. So um, they're probably where people, if they're shopping around, uh, can to get the best prices. So, but I mean, shopping around is expensive. Yes, well, it depends how far apart the different supermarkets are. There are some towns where, where they take Eden Dairy, for example, Uvalde and Lidl and Tesco, all in pretty much a two-minute walk from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's true. And um, you can shop around. Um, <clears throat> it depends on where consumer starts is with their shopper journey, as it would be called. So, do you go online and say, "I want to do my weekly shopping"? and compare the prices online and say I can get my vegetables cheaper in Shop X or my meat in Shop Y or, you know, uh, in certain cases, um, I'd be looking to see, you know, how can we support not just the big retailers, but maybe the smaller retailers, the small fruit and veg, the fishmongers, the butchers, you know, to be able to support the local uh, um, uh, suppliers as well as the big uh, multinationals. The last time we all had to tighten our belts would have been 2008 onwards and that was a huge period of growth for those German discount retailers. How has market share changed or has it since this cost of living crisis of 2022 onwards kicked in? Um, the, the actual sales have gone up but market share has probably stayed in or around the same. Um, if you take um, Aldi for, um, as an example, you know, they're 11.7% of the market. They would have had 11.7% of the market maybe 10 years ago. Uh, so their market share really hasn't changed. And maybe this is a, a marketing strategy to, to gain market share from, the, from their competitors at the moment. Um, <clears throat> having said that, you know, sales have gone up because of the increase in the population, the increase in income, um, and as we said, their inflation. But if you take, Will, from, if you went back to 2012 to 2022, 2023, um, <clears throat> there was, a, you know, price inflation um, until we had that cost of living crisis and, and, the, and the cost of living went up uh, uh, in, in a large, by, by a large amount. So prices actually came down. So prices in 2012 were the same as in 2022. So we had deflation in that period, and mm. it's only recently that we've had inflation. Which is perhaps why it feels all the more severe. We got Absolutely. used to the perhaps unrealistic <laughs> market conditions that were there for some years. Uh, needless to say, there have been a few farmers in touch to wonder, will it be the producer who ultimately pays for these discounts? Well, there's agreements done between the retailers and the, the main suppliers, um, you know, regularly every kind of three, three to six months. Um, and those deals, they would suggest that they, they maintain, they're not putting pressure on the, um, the producers and the processors to, uh, uh, to reduce prices or take a, a price cut because those, those agreements are in place so at the moment. So um, uh, Aldi would say, I think they made a statement last night saying that the, the cost, they're taking the, the hit on the, um, on the cost reductions. Very good. Well, we'll watch and wait to see how all of the market responds. Damien, thank you very much for taking our call today. Thanks, Will. Damien O'Reilly is a lecturer in retail management at TU Dublin. It's 20 to 11 almost. Now, still on the agenda today, 
a pot of 17 million euro to be spent on tourism projects in the Midlands County over two years. Now, if you have an idea, how could we turn that idea into reality using some of this money? How onerous will it be to draw down the funds? And what sort of ideas are they looking for? A rather familiar voice is next. Midlands Today, thanks to Tullamore Motors Opal, home of the new Opal Astra, Continental Tires Irish Compact Car of the Year 2023. Available to order now. Visit us on Church Road, Tullamore for more. Time for a blast from the past. A voice that you have heard only rarely since he stepped down from his role in RTE as the Midlands correspondent. Kieran Malouli, good morning. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year to you and to all your listeners. Good to have you on the programme and congratulations on the new job. Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a, a strange start to the new year for me. You know, I left the old position in RTE, as I say, just three years ago. I thought I was going to take things a little bit easier um, working in the area of community development. But, um, you know, I've been, I've been, I suppose, moaning and moaning about something to be done for the Midlands and the aftermath of Ford and for so long that when a very, very good initiative came along in the area of tourism um, for, the, for all the Midlands counties, I said to myself, well, you know, you, you've, you've talked the talk, now it's time you walk the walk. So I, I um, accepted an offer from Longford County Council to work as their new uh, tourism transition activator uh, on a new project, and effectively, we'll be working with three of my colleagues in the Midlands counties, Westmead, Leash, and Offaly, and we'll be hoping to uh, encourage and motivate people to apply for up to 70 million euro in funding over the next two years. So, this pot of money is going to be, as will be used to seed, to incubate uh, ideas that people may have. Do you have, um, just for a practical example, do you have? something that might get the brain cells firing? I certainly have, uh, Will. I mean, the team of the, the of Fulch Ireland Just Transition Tourism Scheme is regenerative tourism and, and place-making in, in the Midlands. So, you know, they're, they're after uh, the outdoors, they're after anything that will bring us back out again. So straight away, think about bicycle hire, think about tracks and trails, think about glamping. If you've, if you've, if you've always wanted to have a go at putting uh, putting in five or six of those glamping pods. Now is your chance. Uh, there will be funding available for all of these areas uh, on a competitive basis, I should say, across the four counties. But 17 million, quite a lot to go around there. Uh, and even in the short term, as we look out into the new year this morning, maybe you're involved in tourism and you have the same old website there since you started. So maybe it's the same old one-page, two-page, you update it once mm. a year. Well, even as we speak, there's a scheme just to open uh, for digital transformation. And anything between 7,500 and €55,000 can be put into a new website. And uh, importantly, there's a deadline on that uh, coming up at, around about the 20th of January. So uh, people should immediately address uh, that by going to the Forge Ireland website and looking for that uh, Just Transition Tourism uh, a link because they've got to apply before the 20th of January for that. I think that's an excellent opportunity to get your... Get a little bit, maybe get a bit of a, a, a new engine uh, for, for booking onto the site or maybe a bit of video or a bit of VR, virtual reality or something new to attract your, your people. And for the first time, there'll be 100% funding for that. And that's the challenge of being online, that it never stands still. And what was 
state of the art only two or three years ago now may be nearly redundant and you have to invest in it continually. But back to the big pot of money. What will it cover and what won't it cover? For instance, if I want to develop a glamping site, can the pot of money buy the field, buy the glamp site, buy everything, or do I have to at least own the land first? Well, no, the, the, the devil is in the, in the detail as usual. And over the course of the coming uh, six months, uh, everybody's going to get a chance to, 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 to learn about things like that. I mean, the, the headline detail in terms of, say, accommodation, the damping you're talking about, is that the, that the maximum amount of funding would be €200,000. So 200 grand will be available for some projects under the accommodation headline. But, of course, when you look into the detail, there are restrictions with regard to the leasing of property or, the, or the, the renting of property or the buying of property, and it comes down to percentages uh, of that. So when you come in, the first thing I think most people should be encouraged to do is make an expression of interest in this, and that's the first process that's underway on the website today. And then people like myself and uh, Amy O'Connor in Westmead and Regina, who I think has taken up the post in Leash, will be, will be going in there and will start teasing it out with you as to what are the components of your package. But on, but on face value, 200 grand is available for an accommodation project uh, under this scheme. And tourism then can be defined in many ways. If somebody believes, let's say, their village is in need of a community coffee shop and nobody's passing through, or at least those who are passing through aren't stopping and this could be a draw, does that qualify as tourism or does it have to be something that people would stay in overnight? No, it, it doesn't. I mean, ultimately, the largest section of the funding is going to something called visitor attractions. Uh, and, you know, the rules uh, com, 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 applying to that would be fairly straightforward, as you would expect, no more than something like Clum McNoise, that, that you must be selling tickets. There must be a ticket sales um, feature to the project. So, so clearly, if you have an attraction, you're, you're, you're able to provide a service, you're able to sell a service ticket online, collect, collect money as people go in and grow out. That's what they're looking for. They want something to, they want people to be attracted to the area. They want to enhance what's there already in the middle. And there are some really, really good projects already coming forward um, because I'm hearing, even in the, in the course of the last Just Transition Fund, I'm hearing about projects. I'm really looking forward to some of them will come forward. For instance, I'm, I'm, told, there's, I'm, I'm told there's a catamaran boat uh, I'm arriving in Shannon Bridge very shortly, a new passenger vessel, um, look, which can hold up to, up to 50 people that's a new, it's going to be a new River Shannon passenger vessel. I think that's really welcome. I think that's going to be a huge enhancement for County Offaly and for the Midlands. We've got some terrific services up at that loan at the moment. We haven't got that many services on the Shannon downstream. They can take, mm. take more larger numbers. And, uh, and under this scheme, boats and passenger boats will be eligible. So if people are thinking about perhaps doing something on the, around the, the Grand Canal, or perhaps doing something else for along the channel. Now is your opportunity to come forward and make that expression of interest. And you mentioned existing businesses may be able to use this to scale or to diversify. Is there a preference between startups and those that are already in place? No, I don't think so. I mean, if you know, I'm not proclaiming to be an expert after having started in the job of my life, but having done the research, I'm not proclaiming to be an expert, but I do know there's a huge focus in the project on, on trying in, in the scheme and trying to come up with supporting funding uh, for projects in areas where Bordenamona, of course, was most active in mm. the past. So clearly, uh, this, the focus of the scheme 
apart from being regenerative tourism, is to look at areas where Bordenamona families were relying on the company in the past, where people are hoping to raise families in the future, and clearly trying to come up with initiatives that will kickstart something in those areas, some little initiative, some new enterprise. I mean, nobody is going to be foolish enough to come on air and tell you that we're going to create Bordenamona jobs all over again. That day is gone, Will. We're never going to see those jobs creating £1,800 a week at the top of the summer, the harvesting period, not happening. Again, I'm afraid that's over um, in, in this country. But what these jobs will do is hopefully provide sustainable employment over a period of time. Uh, and I think there, there are certainly our opportunities. And I think this is the only show in town, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of Midlands communities at the moment. This is an opportunity to get up to 100% funding in many areas for projects. Community groups in particular, now a chance for them to come forward and think of of the projects which they've always talked about before but never actually put them into action. Uh, so I think for the, uh, to answer your question, there will be a focus on supporting communities where Bordemona was most active in the past. So places like Forban, Bura, um, you know, Edenderry, uh, all of these communities. But it is a competitive process. That's been emphasised by everybody. Yeah, so, so you'll have to put your best foot forward and have the best idea and it'll be in, in order of preference after that. But I think many people may be daunted at the idea of the form filling and the case making and how to frame their arguments and their to be persuasive. So perhaps the hint is in the title, you're a tourism activator. Is that where you and your colleagues come in? That's precisely it. I mean, that's our job. At the end, the end of the day, and uh, there'll be a number of public meetings. In fact, I see the first of them are happening next week by my colleague Amy and Westmead. They're, they're happening in Mullingar and in the Shamrock Lodge in Atlone next week, information nights. The public will hear of them, no doubt, on, on Midlands Radio 3 and in the local press. And your opportunity to go along, there'll be an outline of these events, of the, of the full detail of the schemes. And then it will be up to people like Amy O'Connor and myself, the activators, to roll up our sleeves, go and meet the people involved and guide them through the process. And it, it, can be, it can be a difficult process, no doubt about it. But I, I can tell you, having already looked at the expression of interest form, there's not 16 pages to the expression of interest form. There's not, there's not thousands of questions. These are basic enough questions to begin with. We're looking at, at areas where people have expertise, where there's an opportunity to provide a service that's not provided elsewhere, new ideas, um, as I say, regenerative tourism in particular, being the focus, tracks, trails, accommodation, pods, um, anything really that that's, uh, hasn't been chosen, hasn't been seized upon in the past. And when you go to the public meetings, you get, a, you get a guide and an outline. Then you have an opportunity to meet with us. We sit down with you. You'll have to register on the Fort Ireland portal, uh, which is not that big of a deal. It takes about 10 minutes as well. And once you're up there, there'll be a process of up to six months when you have a chance to express that interest. And then you have another six months. Now, I should say critically, Will, one of the big issues for people will be, will be inevitably, will be planning permission for projects. So some projects will require planning permission, and that's why it's important that people engage in the process early, uh, because uh, the, the rules, uh, 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 the, the deadline for the implementation of the scheme is quite tight. Um, I'm told that uh, effectively the 17 million will all have to be effectively spent, drawn down, and the project's completed by March of 2026. Now, that's not too far away. Mm. Um, but still, a, a, a nice dilemma to have. It is, it is and it isn't. I mean, I'm one of those people who wished it was another year or two, but listen, we, it is what it is, and there's no point me moaning about it for too, for too much. If you're applying for a planning permission today for a project which is eligible, um, it could uh, take a little while, you know? I mean, the best will in the world, you've got to get your plans together, speak to your neighbours, get your reports, get your architect, get your designs, apply to the county council, 
and then there could be a period of three months, uh, two months, three months before you mm. get a, a result. Perhaps there might be an appeal to Mbappé Planola. Who knows what, what might arise? And then the important issue from our perspective is that you've gone through this process and you've come out the other side with planning permission by the end of this year. So we're hoping by December of this year, you'll be able to apply for the grant, apply to the uh, Just Transition Tourism Funds with your planning permission granted. That's a critical part of it. So it is important people roll up their sleeves now and start thinking and start moving and start getting advice from the people who are able to help them. Well, moral of the story, exactly. Don't put it on the long finger. Have a think and act quickly. Kieran, thank you very much as always for your time. Good morning, Will. Thank you. And if you keep listening to Midlands 103, you will hear details of that scheme. And faultshireland.ie forward slash just transition is where you can find out more. Let's see what else is happening around the Midlands on the Community Diary. It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy Solicitors at Loan, one of the largest, longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands. Moat Slimming World welcomes new members every Thursday in Doonashee Amenity and Heritage Park. Contact Charlene at Moat Slimming World. You'll find her on Facebook. Anam Cara supports parents after bereavement and it's holding its next Midlands meeting in the Mullingar Park Hotel Wednesday, January 10th, 7.15. And they would welcome any bereaved parent, regardless of the age of the child or the circumstances. And you don't have to register, just arrive on the evening. For more, see anamcara.ie. Lee Shoffley Education and Training Board operates drop-in clinics for form-filling and digital online support. It happens every Monday in Tullamore Library from 10 until 12 and in Port Leash Library Tuesday mornings from 10 until 12. It's a free and a confidential service and you don't need an appointment in advance because it is a drop-in facility. Ross Core Clinic treats and supports RSV, flu, pneumonia, bronchitis, COPD, as well as a range of digestive issues, skin, muscle and joint problems, and women's, men's, children's and infants' health. With evening appointments, an option, contact Emmett Walsh or Ava Rafalowska on 057 93 or online at medicalherbalist.ie. And if you want to brush up on your writing, maths or computer skills, contact your local adult learning service in Leash 057 86 61338 or in Offaly on 057 93 4944 or check out LOETB on Facebook. Now if you want to check the details again they're all listed in the community diary on midlands103.com and if I missed something in your area pick up that phone give out like stink on 0818 300 103. Community Diary with thanks to Tormy Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Tormies.ie. Send us a text. 083-3010-103. Powered by Lamb Brothers Tullamore, the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand, Toyota. Midlands 103. Uh, still on the agenda today. Saltburn, which actually has a decent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 71%. So... Not bad, although a lot of listeners are saying it's a horrible, horrible watch. It's very much about drunken debauchery and well, maybe we like a bit of scandal. Maybe that's why it's getting some some decent reviews. That's in around 20 minutes' time. First, though, if you feel you're in a dark place, 
particularly if drugs are involved or if you're the parent of somebody and you are concerned for them. If there's any amount of doom and gloom and stories that don't go well, but let's find one that has a happy ending, that has resulted in a man turning his life around. Ian O'Sullivan from County Offaly was 18 when he first tried cocaine and now he's out the far side. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Very well. We have to get from A to B, so <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. What tempted you? I suppose just like any young fella, other, sorry, any young fella going out with a weekend, you know, it just, uh, it just happened to present itself to me and have an addictive personality, I suppose, and I, I tried it and I loved it. And that's basically it and it took off from there. What did you like about it? I just loved the feeling of it, you know, and... Uh, no fear, you know, it, it, um, courage, all mm. that kind of stuff that I wouldn't have. And, um, yeah, I got a real sense of, I like this, you know. So would um, you have an anxious personality? Not so much anxious, but I'd say, you know, I'd be, I'd be reserved enough, you know. And uh, that took all that way, you know. Mm. And, um, it um, just made me feel good. So that one time led to eventually a habit that was... 200 euro a day give or take to sustain yeah it would you know it didn't go from that obviously to start you know it um it progressed over over the years and i suppose when i got on to when i got seven or eight years of we'll say weekend juice it started to take over into my daily life of into everyday use you know and i did that for maybe six or seven years and well five or six years i suppose and it um it took everything from me you know when did it start to impact on your regular life how because initially obviously if it's social if it's at the yeah. weekend you can compartmentalize that uh, i suppose i dealt with a, a tragedy of a good friend of mine and i, I didn't deal with it and i kind of i can't blame that but it, it certainly had a part to play and i um i never dealt with that you know and I, I used drugs to wash away all that and it started to take over then for me every day you know and did it interfere with work, with family, uh, with friendships? I used, to, I, I used to be always able to keep work going. Uh, in the wind-up, I couldn't work. My, my my mental state was not good and I didn't... I wasn't able to work, let's be honest with you. Uh, family, um, look, I have a good family. They always stuck by me, but it took us toll on them too because, um, you know, someone in addiction, it's it's it's, it's not an easy thing to be around. Mm. And uh, But, look, they stood by me and they stuck with me through... Take and ten, and they're there today. Thanks be to God. Did you realise you were addicted? It took me a long, long time. You know, I, I couldn't accept it. Um, you know, I, I reached out for help, and I went to different bits and pieces. And but people would tell me, you know, in you have a problem, and I could never live with that. I had a problem because I didn't think I had a problem. I thought I could just keep going the way I was going and control everything and be in control. Uh, when I clearly wasn't, you know. Some people, they hit a rock bottom and it's like a V. They, yeah. It's a life-changing moment and they bounce back. Others, unfortunately, bounce along the bottom for a while. Yeah. Did you have a single low point or several I had, of them? A, I had several low points. I had several low points, you know. I, I, um, and it, like, I suppose I got to the stage where I was living in, a, in, a, in, in my house and I had no electricity, you know. I had no, I had no food. I had none of that sort of stuff and... It was then I started to look, this has to stop, you know, and I reached out and I went into a treatment centre in 2018 and I wasn't ready. I went in and I came out and I, I went straight back to what I was doing, you know. When you say you weren't ready, when you went in, 
were you only half-heartedly buying in? I was only half-heartedly. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't going in for the right reasons. I was going in for it. You know, to keep people off me back. And I'll go in here now when I come out. Never it'll be great when I come out. People will leave me alone, and I'll be able to do my own mm. thing. Mm. And I suppose from 2018 till till I got back in in 2000, I think it was 21. Yeah, uh, them three years would have been the worst. You know, that, that's when that's when work went, my family relationships that all went. You know, but basically, I couldn't be trusted to do anything. Did you ask for help? I was always linked in with CADS up in the in, in Tullamore here with, with, with Hazel and the girls. And I always kept going to them every week, you know, even when I was using. And they were a huge, huge help to me because they, they believed in me. And I said, there is hope, you know, and, and I kept going and kept going. And then I suppose... Maybe I hit another rock bottom. I suppose I just I couldn't go on. I was, the, the thoughts of waking up in the morning, having to go through the same procedure every day, and not being able to stop, really, really affected me. You know, it really, really affected my mental state. And and was it on your mind from the moment oh, you opened your eyes in the morning? From the moment I wake up in the morning, and I have no money. Where am I going to get more drugs? You know, and that was my mental state for a long, long time. And it just eventually it just caught up and. I went into the girls up in the CADS building and I just said, I said, I need to get back into treatment again, you know, and mm. they gave me a good help out and they got me back in. And I have for you since to this day, thanks be to God, you know. The difference being you were asking for it, it wasn't to get somebody off your back. Yeah. You wanted I to wanted be treated. To, I wanted to stop. And I mm. had enough, you know, my body had enough and I just had enough of that sort of lifestyle, you know. So where did you go? I went to Asheree in Care um, for a 28-day programme. And What does that involve? Look, it's 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 very very tough. You have to lay it out on the table. You have to be honest. I suppose honesty is the main thing with it. You know, you went for your twenty eight days, and you know it's. I suppose I've been in it twice. I won't say it was it wasn't easy, but the second time I put everything into it, you know, and it um, it worked, you know. But it's easy to go into the treatment center for twenty eight days. It's when you, when you come out is when the real work starts, you know, because you're in the treatment center, you're in the bubble, you know what I mean. You can't, you have no phone. You've no people ringing you. You know you're safe. You know you're with other like-minded people, and but it's when you leave there, that's that's when the the gig really starts. You know. So what did your plan on leaving look like? My plan on leaving was to to do a continuum of care program with the treatment centre for for two years, which I do every Tuesday night in Dublin, and to get two meetings locally as well. You know, and and that's what I've stuck to, and that's worked. You know. What have you? replaced the bad habits with? Look, I like to go to the gym a bit, you know. I, I, I have my, I have three lovely kids. Um, uh, just basically, uh, a lot of work with, say, on myself as well, you know. You mentioned the gym first. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, we look, know I, how that releases the natural yeah, endorphins. Look, it, 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 I go in three or four days a week, you know, and it, and it, it keeps me right, you know, and it, I suppose it's 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 very healthy. Yeah, there's a certain confidence comes with it as well. If you're able to get up on the treadmill for twenty minutes, if you're able to bench whatever you're doing, I won't say I'm doing any of that heavy stuff or anything. But I just do a small bit, and it, it just it keeps me on mind focused, and you know it reminds me of where I am and that kind of stuff. Have you had to deal with any low points since coming out? I have. Yeah, I um, I buried my granny when I came out. A few other bits and pieces, you know, but uh, I got through all that, whereas before I would be using and all that, you know. Mm. And, and like, how did you do that? How did you avoid the trigger? I have good, I have a close circle of friends that are in recovery as well, we'll say, and you know, it's, 
we're told to pick up the phone, you know, and I, I talk to people if I'm having a, a bad day or anything like that, and uh, it gets me through, you know, but uh, dealing with a problem today, I can deal with it today without without using, you know, and it's, it's a lot more simpler. Mm. And then what do you want people listening to take from this? Because there may be somebody who yeah, is look, earlier on that journey than you. Yeah, look, it's, if there is, you know, like it's, all I can say is don't be afraid to reach out for help. You know, there, there is help there. And life can get so much better. Like, look, it might look like a mess at this minute, but it gets better if you put in a bit of work and just look for a bit of help because um, it is there if you want it. Mm. How do you want it? That that yeah, seems yeah, to be the missing yeah, piece how, of the how, puzzle. How do you want it? You know, I suppose you have to hit a rock bottom. You have to want to stop. You know, you have to just say like, "Is this what I want for the rest of my life? To want to go on mm. like this?" And for me, I don't. And you know, yeah. That's the big worry for a lot of parents. Listen, yeah, they don't know, want their child to hit rock no, bottom. They may not come back. And some people don't want to think that their their kids are doing it, you know, or whatever. But the reality of it is, it's a it's a widespread problem, and and it's 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 rampant, like you know, it's 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 everywhere, and there's a lot of people struggling today. I have a lot of friends struggling today, but you know, it's yeah, help is there. That's all I can mm. say, you know. And having walked the walk, do you have any views on? Policy on enforcement on ah look it's look it's, there's always going to be drugs in every walk of life you know it's it's how you choose to deal with it but I suppose you know I've kids growing up myself I suppose um you'd like to see maybe maybe a little bit more than the schools or something about raising mm. more awareness about it because the, it's all starting at a very young age now you know it's it's crazy you know mm. how would you say it to a teenager though. That's it. Like, how do you tell a teenager, like you know, who's who's ready to grow up and go through all these aspects of life? Don't go near drugs. You know, it's 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 a crazy one. You know, but but you're the living proof. You've got it, yeah, authentic look, testimony. Yeah, but I'm living proof. But it's not too many people get it. Unfortunately, you know, it's it's taking lives every day. You know. Mm. So, what do you look forward to now? What's the highlight of your weekend? I just look forward to up and being about. You know, and seeing my children and you know, just catching up with a few friends and that kind of stuff. And I live a very, very simple life. I don't do anything <laughs> extraordinary or mad or any of that, you know. And if you could go back to that 18-year-old version of you who was tempted on whatever Saturday night mm. that was, what would, what would you say to him? Jeez, I'd say, if I knew what was going to happen, I'd say, hold up there now, this is this is not the right road to go, you know. Mm. But um, look, you learn from your mistakes. I, maybe I needed to do what I did to get to where I am, you know, so... I don't. I wouldn't change anything, really, to be honest. You mentioned some people who helped you along the way. Mm. So, for anybody who wants somewhere to turn, where would you send them? You know, um, there's Cad's building in Tullamore there, and there's Merchants Key Ireland, anywhere like that. You know, just make the phone call, and I guarantee you, they will call you back. They always call back, and set up a meeting or whatever you want, and they'll try and help you through it. You know. Ian, it's been lovely meeting you. Thank Brilliant. you so much for sharing Brilliant. your story. Awesome. Hear Midlands today, tomorrow. Missed anything this morning? Catch the repeat at midnight tonight. Or listen back anytime on midlands103.com. So at the moment, we recycle roughly a quarter of our plastic, maybe a little bit more. But if we're to meet EU targets, this needs to increase to 50% by 2025. It's only a year away. How shall we do this? Well, it's all explored on Ours to Protect.
Leaders to Protect. Brought to you by Midlands 183, the IBI, and funded by Commission the Man with a television license fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more information. On Hours to Protect this morning, we look at recycling after Christmas. Around 100,000 tonnes of packaging waste was generated over the festive period. Ireland currently recycles 28% of all plastics, but needs to increase this to 50% by 2025 to meet EU targets. It takes up to 500 years for plastic to decompose and each tonne of recycled paper can save 17 trees, 2.2 cubic metres of landfill space and 7,000 gallons of water. KMK Metals Recycling Limited, which has sites in Tullamore and Kilbegan, collects around three quarters of Ireland's waste electrical and electronic equipment. That's any item that uses a battery or has a plug, like screens, lamps, large and small appliances and IT equipment. Communications executive with the company, Joanne Burke, says now is a good time for people who want to recycle their old Christmas lights. All parts of lights, like all parts of e-waste, everything can be recycled. So what we do is we'll get them in, they're processed in Tullamore, so they'll be cleaned down, uh, decontaminated if there's any contamination there. We'll just get them ready, straighten them out, ship them off to a compliant um, third party like outlet that we have. Um, so I think most of the lights end up in Belgium. Uh, so we'd send them over there and then they're stripped down, broken apart and all the plastics are recycled. What they're really after, a critical raw material within the cable is copper. So that'll be stripped away and, you know, it's all specialised specialized treatment in these centres. So to make sure that we're getting that back. It's like with all, with all e-waste, what it's all about is getting these critical raw materials and getting them back into the circular economy, getting them moving, getting them in use again. Uh, so even then, the the LED bulbs, everything will be will be used, and they're all non non hazardous. So you know, it's it's good. Most lights now that we get in will be LED lights. You know, people can feel very overwhelmed, like they are aware of climate change, they're aware of environmental issues, but if you feel like, oh, what can I do? But it, you know, you can start small. You can you know start off doing your Christmas lights, then look around your house, do a big clear out of toys. Toys are huge. Like the We Forum around International E-Waste Day, they released some figures and it was shocking. Like they, they reckon in Ireland there's around 25 million you know, small toys, USBs, all gaming, all these little small devices hidden. So for every 10 devices or small electrical, um, whatever devices, I suppose, um, all the pieces sold last year, only four came back in through authorised recycling centres and came back into us basically or to other recyclers. So there's a lot, the 60% there somewhere in people's attic. My actual <laughs> husband, who is the general manager of KMK Metals Recycling, Max, I found his secret drawer recently and there was two phones. There was about four chargers. <laughs> so we're all guilty. And he's like, I'd forgotten about them or I thought I might be able to fix that. And like, that's great. If you can fix something, we're all about that too. Reuse it. But if it can't. It shouldn't be sitting there. It's just a waste of resources. Most supermarkets will have battery boxes where you can leave your used batteries for free. Well, like lithium, it's in so many. It's like it's seen as, you know, the product or the, the, the thing now. It's in so many products and it's brilliant. It's great. But it's also very volatile. So if people, they also need to be educated on, you know, the dangers of throwing that into the rubbish bin, for, for example, or leaving it around your house even. Like why leave that around your house when you can, you know, it needs to be stored correctly. It needs to be treated correctly and our staff like we're constantly retraining our staff because of those dangers and trying to get that message out because like fires are a huge problem in the UK here everywhere like it's 
you know, it's something everyone needs to be aware of. Children at Clanina National School in Mount Roth believe it's important to recycle. I think recycling to me, it's, um, I think everyone should do it because it's not actually that hard. Now, for some people it could be, but usually say you just have a wrapper and you could just uh, like throw it in the recycling bin, obviously, and it actually, it does more than you think. So every Monday we bring the bags down to Roscray and we recycle them all into the proper bins. Reduce, reuse and recycle. You have a recycling, a waste and compost bin. And in our school we have a compost bin, we have a wormery outside, we feed the wormery every uh, Friday and we do the bins every day and we bring them to recycling. But the worms aren't too good, they're, all, they're just leaving it all in the big pile and they're oh. not doing anything to it. We've like two worms who actually do something and the other ones are all just lazy. The thing about recycling is, um, so you put like paper and something in the recycling and then they just like, and then they're just like, right, I'll find a way to turn this into something else and then they do that. Yeah. And then you have recycling. Um, when we're doing like the recycling and all that, there's this red, orange and green, green um, like circles and you have to like, yeah, traffic lights. And if... The bin's, like, perfect, you put it as green. Like, if there's, like, say, one or two mistakes in it, you put it uh, orange it in. Are you going to fill it in? I think it's fairly cool that we have the wormery, because whenever you get to empty all the stuff into it, half people are afraid to do it and half people like doing it. And I like doing it, mainly because you get to bring a sprung around the school without getting absolutely it. And there are many ways that you can cut down your waste in 2024 by buying in bulk to reduce packaging, planning your weekly shop to stop food waste and finding new ways to use old items. For more information about recycling, see ourstoprotect.ie or there's a fact sheet on midlands103.com. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Midlands 103, the IBI and funded by Commission the Man with a television licence fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more information. Report by Midlands 103's Sinead Hubble. Rewind and review with winesdirect.ie is next. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner with the stories beyond the headlines. Midlands 103. So, on Rewind and Review with winesdirect.ie, we are going to very soon talk about the piece of television that will make you blush in front of your other half with whom you've been intimate for years. Mm-hmm. Or so Lynn Berry tells us. Good morning. Good morning, Will. Looking forward to this. Looking forward to this. But, you know, we have to kind of warm up with the wine first. Absolutely. Um, Hello. And Ga- <laughs> Gareth. Good morning, by Good the morning. Way. Oh, sorry, I sort of jumped in there. Where's your other uh, partner in crime? Uh, well, he, he's he's actually over in Longford at the moment in Centre Parks. Oh, good <laughs> Running around him. with his children. And uh, so up since, I think, six o'clock in the morning, you know, we're having a very relaxing holiday after ah, Christmas. Ah. Yeah, that sounds like a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Not. So uh, hello to Gavin. Uh, 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 hello to Gavin out there. And uh, hello to, uh, yeah, hello to Gavin out there. Hi, Gav. <laughs> this is dry-ish January. Yes. What have we got? What's our theme? So, so the theme here is here. We're looking at lower alcohol wines, and uh, so we got uh, we got a reasoning coming, for, and we're also it's a new year, so looking for something a bit different. So, what we are looking at are is uh, reasoning from uh, from Western Australia, uh, Gruner Verlina from uh, Austria, and uh, a Gamay uh, from uh, Beaujolais from uh, the Brett Brothers, which is called Men and Brett. These are about twelve and a half percent to eleven and a half percent alcohol. What's normal? 
Generally at the moment, uh, about 13 to 14%, mm. 15% alcohol because uh, of global warming, especially in red wines, because uh, the riper the grape, the more the sugar, the more the sugar, bigger bang for the buck, and we just be getting hotter summers. Wow. So what's the appeal of the lower alcohol? Well, uh, for some people, it's they prefer lower alcohol because they want to have a glass of wine uh, or, or, two, uh, or two wine and just want to keep the alcohol low. Uh, for, uh, and for me, it's just I prefer uh, lower, uh, lower alcohol wines because it means I can have two glasses of wine instead of just one. Are yeah. they going to be sweeter if less of that sugar has converted good to question, alcohol? Good question. Not in these ones. Not in these ones. Because a lot of ones generally under 10% alcohol because, again, that's when they stop the fermentation. So there's residual sugar left. And the residual sugar, uh, the yeast hasn't eaten the resi- uh, residual sugar, so they're actually sweeter. And you get that a lot in Rieslings uh, coming from Germany and some other wines like that. But, uh, yeah, very good question. Generally, when you hit about 8%, there's, they're going to be sweet or off dry. So these ones oh, no, taste, these are all bone dry. taste like wine. This taste, tastes like wine, indeed. All right, which one will we begin with? Okay, sorry. I'll go straight back in. We're going into Western Australia and we're going to go with uh, G'day, Riesling. Mate. Sorry? G'day, G'day mate. mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that That's would not be a annoying. missed opportunity. <laughs> missed opportunity. Oh, no, I can't do an Australian accent or I can't do accents, so it just won't. Uh, it won't. So we got... So we got Riesling here, and this actually comes from a family-run estate down in Franklin River, which is right down. Like my brother-in-law is actually down there in Western Australia at this moment in time. It's a very, 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 very remote area. It, it would be been, easy to mistake for water by water. appearance. It's, it's it's very light, very light in colour. But you put your nose into it; it is real tunnel. Just drops out, it jumps out of the grass at you. It's, woody. it's got it's got plenty of like flavours. Uh, flavours going on here and that's just saying it's just because it's low in alcohol doesn't mean it has to be low in, ta- uh, low in taste as well this is uh, said Western Australia so, and uh, but it's quite far down south so you get the huge amount of heat but you get the the uh, wind from the Antarctica coming up so ki- so cooling uh, so cooling the grapes as well as a result of that you get something that's actually quite ar- aromatic and the reasonings from this part of the world are actually probably one the, uh, one uh, some of the best even uh, because uh, again with global warming and everything else uh, Riesling generally comes it's a very delicate grape it's a very temperamental grape it needs actually a cooler climate not really hot and mm. even in Europe where it's traditionally uh, grown is starting to come under pressure Interesting I have a friend in Perth at the moment and it's 35 degrees over there of course it's summer so when you say not really hot what's <laughs> yeah what's your def- define hot then <laughs> define hot well they got the they got this breeze coming in from the south and okay. that's what actually and the south remember is it's back to front down there so south mm. is north mm-hmm. yeah so it tempers so, it a bit so it tempers right. it a bit yeah. and that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is but like it just boom it just uh, wakes wakes up wakes up the palate what I would say okay so on appearance I'm like mm. I would mistake that for water mm. and then as it approaches your mouth you're like oh absolutely not it's quite pungent yeah. smell wise like it is very no, aromatic no, it's, like, it's very aromatic and that's yeah. that's very much of that's uh, interesting uh, the reasonings from uh, this part of the world right. in Australia because uh, generally they all want to get that way but in Germany and Alsace where they're generally from they would take maybe two or three years to get that way but you got it you got initially and it's great value okay as regards like it's under 15 euros Okay. Sorry, what now? Under 15 euros. Under 15. I thought you said 150 euros and I'm like, what, oh, no, what is the going price for wine right now? I was about to say I'd fly to Australia and bring yeah. some back. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's Under almost, 15 euros. Okay, well, that's very doable in January for anyone. It, it, no, it, it, re, it really is. Uh, and the next, uh, just the next one, just keep it on the white for a second before we go on to salt burn. Because mm-hmm. this, uh, are we going to salt? Do you want to go on? Oh, we, we'll move on to salt burn after this other okay, one. Yeah. So, again, Give me something, uh, something, somebody new, uh, something new. This is Gruner Verlina, or just Gruner. 
uh, and this comes from Austria. Now, the gra- this is actually one of the best grapes for me because that's an elegant bottle. It's my dad used to say, "Great for toasting calves." That's got a very long neck. Yes, I would it. choose that aesthetically, even. But like this, for a th- gift. this one is actually a bit, uh, a bit gre- uh, greener on the nose. But again, twelve and a half percent alcohol, and very aromatic. And do you know what actually what actually Austrian wines actually go brilliantly with is actually spicy foods. So any oh. anything sort of curry, any mm. sort of like Chinese food, anything like that. Well, Why, forgive me, it's not one of those countries you really associate with winemaking. It well. Or am I? Yeah, naive? no, it's it's certainly coming back up. But there, it was in 1984 they had a huge crisis in the fact. I'm not sure if you guys remember the Simpsons when Bart Simpson was uh, found people putting antifreeze into the wine. No, somebody actually did put antifreeze into the wine oh. in Austria oh, that wow. year, and the uh, the whole uh, the whole place collapsed, the whole uh, industry collapsed. But as a result, they basically took that as uh, an opportunity to basically get rid of all the mass produced really bad wines and they said so the only ones that are left are actually independent family run vineyards so as a result they've so actually managed to keep their quality and keep yeah. their pro- uh, and uh, keep their price so you're happy this is good or should I stick it oh, in no, the freezer no, so, first no it should no, the, you should it's that certainly was not, not as, as pungent as what the other one was no, like, no, you it's, don't it's, get it's, a it's, it's not as jumping out of the gla- no. glass as you with, with no. me I get a lot more sort of, sort of like almost a bit uh, it's a, a drier green, wine. Uh, greener apples, mm. uh, sort of a little bit more tropical fruit going on in there. But also, like, this is really mm. zesty wine. This is actually going, and again, this is what we're looking for in January. Something something new, but something really to wake up your taste buds as well. And again, if you're talking about dry January, at the end, it's bone dry, dry at the end, and it's only 12.5% alcohol. But I can imagine if you were eating Madras, for instance, something very spicy, mm. the more sugary wine would nearly animate your mouth and make yeah. it more difficult yeah. Whereas this will Cleanse. have a cleansing oh, effect. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for, looking for. And yeah. especially when you're talking about, say, if you're going to Chinese food where they're using a lot of ginger, a lot of lime and everything else. Mm-hmm. Even if you're having red meat, you look, there's more acidity going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, because there's more acidity going on, you actually need something with a bit of a zing to it rather than uh, rather than red wine, for example, to, uh, mm. to, to work with it. So that's the reason why. Again, something well, you should just... probably have that conversation when you're buying the wine. What's the occasion? What yeah. are you going yeah. to be eating? Yeah, well, that's it. And when you come into <laughs> Mullingar or Athlone with us, that's that's essentially what you do. Because a lot of the times you come in and we were spent a very busy uh, time over Christmas and people coming in and saying, look for wine for Christmas or whatever it was at that point in time it's very much the same okay what do you like do you like what are you having or are you having it by yourself what do you like drinking do you like fruity wine or do you like a dry wine do you like a big wine do you like a low and at which stage when you start talking to people like that you're able to then guide them in in, uh, in the air into, into whichever way that they want to go it might spice up the turkey curry though it might make it more palatable yeah. you know the day after Boxing Day when you whip out the turkey curry Boxing Day I, um, I, yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I think it's from like reading uh, papers over the years where you're looking for like is Santa Claus the movie on BBC One uh, and they always refer to it as Boxing Day. So in my head okay. now, it's always, even though it's St. Stephen's uh, Day. You should pick head, up the RT guide. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about but that. Net results, yeah, even, even with the turkey curry. Absolutely, uh, absolutely yeah. But again, something just a little bit different. Lower alcohol going going generally just something just to wake up the taste buds, and again, something new because that's, that's what, super that's what elegant. Uh, like I am, I am, I, I'm taken by that bottle. Uh, thank you. And very how much. cool is the bottle in the middle? But still, well, this, we, to me, we'll is get, just we'll get, pure we'll, yeah. elegance. We'll come on to that one in a moment. But you mentioned spicing things up. Yeah. So salt. Well, that's the perfect lead into to salt <laughs> burn if there ever were one. As a little scene setter, we normally have a clip. And Shannon, who 
for some reason spent a long time watching Saltburn to find this clip, said it was very hard to isolate one that didn't have colourful language, shall we say? Yeah, yes. So yes, I can imagine. Yes. Let's have a listen. Thank you. I'm sorry I don't know your name. I'm, uh, I'm Felix. Oliver. Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, I love you. I love yeah. I love you. All right, cheers, Ollie. My parents, they've got problems. What kind of? What do you mean, problems? I don't think I'll ever go home again. Well, why don't you come home with me? Come to Saltburn. So, lots of very posh English accents to yes, be heard. in That's Oxford. high society. In Oxford, no less. Um, and on... It's funny because Barry Keoghan, who has a very deep Dublin accent, has a thick Manchester accent in this. So immediately it kind of gives you that idea that he's somewhat out of a duck out of water when he's in Oxford. But like, what is the premise of Saltburn? Like, how do I describe it? Well, it's basically about this young guy who gets a scholarship to go to Oxford University. So he's incredibly intelligent, uh, but he is like that, that duck out of water He's not from a rich family. He's there because of his intelligence and getting the... um, the On merit, in other words. On merit, Mm. exactly. He's there on merit. But we really begin to see, as the movie goes on, you begin to see just how intelligent this person is. And or it kind of contrasts with how sometimes the super rich can be very green around the gills and very ridiculously flamboyant to a fault Mm. if that makes sense Depends are they first generation rich or not Yeah and it kind of well you've got several generations of the wealth in this one one area so it's really interesting but it is provocative it is psychologically very very deep it's very in like the more I think about it is it provocative as regards to get you out of your chair is it provocative no I know where you're going with yes. this no okay so like I said when I sat down like myself and my husband watched it you wouldn't watch it even with a close friend I don't think I blushed in front of my husband and it was do you know what people are giving out about the level of provocation in it and I don't see it been an issue because it really really solidifies how psychologically invested this chap is that he's willing to break his own boundaries, let alone other people's, to get what he wants. Kind of Machiavellian. You know, he has this kind of Machiavellian uh, personality that is kind of on the down low for a little bit, but you start to see it kind of creep out of its shell. And then there's this crescendo at the end and you're like, oh my days. And the ladies in the audience that would have seen it would have been like, Oh, my days, for many reasons. Um, And quite heavy on male nudity, which is refreshing because female nudity is so overdone at this point and it just seems to be token now, doesn't it? Like if if there isn't a naked woman... I hate tokenism. Yeah, I know, I bet you do. Mm. And if there isn't a naked lady, is it even a movie worthy of of note? No comment. (laughs) There's a lot of male nudity, but there's so many, so many barriers broken with this movie that it's like, I would recommend everyone watch it. Everyone under over the age of 18 uh, and don't watch it with your parents. And and actually, do you know what? Watch it alone. Watch, just watch it alone. I, I think Charlotte Regan, he's a comedian and he actually had to put uh, a clarification up on Instagram because he said he actually put up, said, uh, do you want a Christmas uh, rev- uh, a good recommendation? See this, see this with the whole family. You love it. Saltburn. <laughs> then had to put it on and said, I'm a comedian. I say jokes with my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> People took it as a flat, yeah, as like a flat I would. recommendation. And then, so, so, like so it, if you were to see it with your parents and maybe some Oh my ones. God. <laughs> okay. uh, like I had so many questions and and 
you know, my husband is quite a shy man. Like, I, I'm not a shy person and I blushed. So he kind of was sinking down in his chair a little bit. So you had to, what, Google certain terms and things, did you? Well, absolutely not, Will. <laughs> so <laughs> what Barry do you Keoghan take me go, for? He is recommended for an Oscar. Barry Keoghan's recommended for well, an Oscar. Well, I can is see... Oh, ab- absolutely yeah. Oscar-worthy. Sorry, there's a missing piece of the puzzle here. Okay. Because while you're talking about potential Oscars and it's yeah. actually getting good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes... Yeah. It seems to be very polarising. Entirely Because there polarizing. are a huge number of people who've contacted the show to say, what are you on about? It's utter, obscene rubbish. Yeah. And I think that level of provocation probably does just turn people off and then they miss the entire point of the movie. Um, is it I, gratuitous? Yes. In the... In a way, in is, ways. is that not the point of art itself? It's just it's, it's yes. not it's not to it's, get everyone to agree. It's actually to provoke debate. Exactly, exactly, and that's what I I loved about this. And I think it did it in the most tasteful yet distasteful fashion. That there's so much to it that I was unpacking it for days. Tasteful and yet distasteful. I'm trying to process. But there's the paradox of it's, the movie. It's, it's, it's tastefully distasteful. Yeah, because 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 it was necessary. Oh. So when you see it first, you're like, that was and totally unnecessary. In, in, in a way, you got somebody coming in, coming in from Manchester. Obviously, not. You got the mega rich there, and you got this yep. kid coming in a scholarship. These rich, uh, these rich uh, fellas do not see him. Uh, don't do not see uh, do not see him come from a better word. Absolutely and, not, uh, because they undervalue. <laughs> I was trying to search him for another word there. I really was, and I just went. What I said, uh, and I said, watershed moment. Thank you, well, thank you, well. Uh, That's what's going on but social yeah, but media. But it just later. shows exactly. It shows. It showcases that. That really well that these people who get these things kind of handed to them by proxy because of wealth mm. and then the, this guy they undervalue comes along well a lot can go on under the radar when you undervalue someone mm. thus not taking them too seriously underestimated mm. seriously but it's 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 a it's it's seriously it's a piece of art well as one listener suggests in high english society that's how they tend to work recall the pictures of david cameron and the pigs some years ago <laughs> there acts you go. like that are common so they all have dirt on each other and are therefore less likely to cross one another that's a va- very valid point. Um, Can I, we I highly recommend. In a moment? Sure. You, you highly recommend, and I think certainly it's one to watch and make up your own mind about because you will have an opinion one way or the other. Yes. Uh, Willy Wonka. Yes. So we had the Gene Wilder version. Mm-hmm. We had the Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp version, and yep. now there's a new one. Yeah. That and some red wine next. Rewind and review with Wines Direct. Breaking the mould of traditional wine retailers with their own unique flair, genuine passion and enthusiasm. Winesdirect.ie Enjoy alcohol responsibly. The label on this next bottle. Once it's in your mind, you won't forget it. Men in Black is obviously the scene being depicted, but instead of guns in their hand, they have bottles of wine. Men in Brett, tell us more. Okay, Men in Brett. So this is done by the Brett brothers. Uh, there's two of them and they're uh, from Macon, but they're making some red wine in Beaujolais. Beaujolais is south of uh, Burgundy, mostly ga- uh, Gamay uh, grape. And this is what they call their glue-glue wine. They're sort of like low alcohol, lovely to drink wine. But there's only 3,000 bottles of this made. But I decided to bring it in and share it with you uh, today. So why did, I, why, why did I talk about Beaujolais? Beaujolais is always lower, when you talk about red wine, is generally lower in alcohol. You're talking about 
11 uh, half to maybe 13% at the, t- at the tip top depending on how war- warm the year is. Now, as a result, the wine's going to be very light. If you don't like dry tannins, those are the sort of things that make your mouth dry uh, dry, mm. uh, dry when you're drinking it. This is what this is what it is. It's also great. This sort of, These sort of like lower alcohol wines are great to actually share with a group of people because if you get something 40-15% after about two and a half glasses I start slurring my words you know this one is actually keeps this it keeps the party going this one uh, <laughs> with less hangover the next le- day with less hangover the next uh, with less hangover the next day because it's still a lot of people in, in what come in to talk to us in wines directly talk about sulfites in the wine to chemicals in the wine yeah they all contribute to uh, health, uh, your health and everything else and also farming but uh, really when you're talking about it it's alcohol in the wine that, that, uh, that affects you so here we are. We got something that's low in al- uh, that's low, uh, lower in alcohol, only eleven and a half percent, but it's still really juicy. It's still really fun, and it's more going to, looking towards summer wine. But listen, I, I've done with winter. I'm done with the dark days. We had the winter solstice just before Christmas. We are uh, things are getting slightly brighter. I would like to uh, like mm-hmm. I'd like to think. Of course, there's ubiquitous same friend in the WhatsApp group said grand stretch in the evenings. We uh, like uh, like on the twenty fourth. Uh, but this is uh, a great sort of summer wine. We're going into we're going into summer. It's lighter. It's brighter. It's just uh, promises of uh, summer ahead. And did you say it's in short supply? It is in short supply. So it's nearly the last of the summer wine. It's but it's Nice. I don't know how I don't know how no, to respond to that. I really do not have to respond to that. I don't know how you can paint paint with the face I just made on radio. But yes, yes, that was that's officially in the it goes to the dad Joe collection. Oh yes, congratulations. Not, come on though, in fairness to him, it's fairness, so bad it's good. Like, yes, yeah. And you know what? Actually, looking at it, and I love anything that's kind of exclusive because mm. you know if there isn't too many, I'd love one. Um, it, it's quite, it's just a step up from rosé in terms of colour for me. Now, I'm very uneducated, folks, no. when it comes you, to wine. Right. Well, the colour well, of the red wine comes from the maceration of the grapes, basically. The um, time spent on, the juice spent on grapes. Okay. And the time the juice spends on grapes, uh, the more time, the darker it is generally, the more tannins, the drier it is. Also, uh, uh, that's, that's what it is. And rosé is generally the first, well, there's different ways of making rosé, but generally speaking from red wine. It's almost like the front first run of juice, so it had the very little ah. amount of time on on skins. So yeah. they're going right. This is limited uh, time amount of skins. Doesn't look like a rosé, but it's very light in colour. Yeah. Forgive my lack of vocabulary when it comes to yeah. wine, but this is more like a drinking red as opposed to, let's say, something from a very warm part of Spain mm. that's almost peppery that goes with yeah, a steak. You, you're a steak. Mm. You're dead right. If you had a steak or something like that, it would go over it. This would go great. Actually, this something light like this, something red wine like this would go great with fish if you want to put it with mm. food. Yes. Or, or, or with a light pasta or something like that or, or, with, uh, or with some uh, salami or something like that. A pizza, for example, absolutely perfect with. Um, that 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 those sort of those those sort of uh, those sort of flavors. If it's really big and powerful, generally speaking, when you're matching food and wine, general rule of thumb: if it's a light sort of flavored wine, you don't put big, big powerful food uh, flavors against it. If, if it's a it's a delicate flavored uh, like fish or something like that, you don't put big powerful wine with it. Yeah, so this would be a nice one for people who like red wine more so than white, but love their fish. Yeah, because I think fish. You think fish. You think white wine. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what I said. It's. Yeah, I think it's a perfect. Uh, it's perfect wine. We also have some other wines that are basically called glue glue wines, which are again all about twelve percent alcohol, twelve and a half percent alcohol. They're fun. They all got cool labels because they're all doing this at this moment in time, and they tend to be breaking the uh, the rules because even though this comes from Beaujolais, this is a Van de France. A uh, Germany Van de France means that uh, it's basically you can do whatever you want. 
so they've actually broken the rules and actually made it lighter and uh, but they, that's what they tend to do with these wines and Very has good. it an exclusive price uh, it is it is and I don't have it with me right now oh that's okay <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask yeah. I'm going to dance in the corner like yeah. <laughs> winesdirect.ie anyway for yeah, more details and it's called Men in Brett Men in Brett yes it's cool it's cool wine should they ever have moved past the Gene Wilder version of Willy Wonka I would have said no and I am uh, anyone who knows me uh, knows I'm a big Tim Burton fan so when I tell you I was very let down by his remake of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory even though it's much more in line with the book so if you're a Roald Dahl fan you probably will lean more towards uh, the Johnny Depp but for me I was like it does nothing for me Gene Wilder very very hard act to follow Mm. and what I loved about Wonka I went into it not expecting anything anyway and I think the trailer does it no favours so I went in with no hopes. My little girl wanted to go see it and I was like, do you know what? It is the perfect Christmas movie. Mm. So we went over the holidays and when I tell you, I came out and my husband is, his one of his favourite movies of all time is the original Gene Wilder and uh, he looked at the trailer and said, no, I wouldn't be interested. But I came out of cinema and I was like, Eddie, you would have, abs- it was standing ovation worthy. Oh, really? I was shocked. I was I was stuck to my chair. I laughed halfway through it. I cried near the end. There's this hint of uh, uh, world, you know that song from the original, "Come with me." Oh. So there's like little haunting hints of that song starting all throughout the movie, and then there's this crescendo at the end that's just the most amazing. Oh, look, it was so so so, so it, is, it, it is good. And uh, Dumpa Lumpa is, is actually explained. Oh my! I, yes, the whole backstory of the Oompa Lumpa and how the Oompa Lumpa came to be, which are, it's just. And his his love for chocolate and why you can see why magic is so important to him. Mm. Like there's there's more of um, it's a teachable movie as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, did I, your daughter I it. enjoy it as much as you did? She absolutely loved it. I brought my mother, and um, now my mother would love kind of all sorts of movies anyway. But she absolutely loved it. The three of us came out and went wow. Now, I don't think Mammy was kind of expecting it not to be good. She was like, oh, I'm going to the cinema and I love movies, so it's great. Mm. You know, it's going to be a 10 yeah. out of 10 for me anyway. But I was going in like, a, it'll probably be a 2 out of 10. Uh, and I came out and I was like, wow. So me and Eddie are going to go see it because he needs to see it. He will just, it's just excellent. I, I found it because I actually, like, a bit like you, I, di- I didn't want to go see it because it was. I, I loved Gene Hackman's version. I didn't bother seeing the Gen- Johnny Depp version because we all knew what it was going to be. Gene Wilder, yes. I figured it was, it was steps of a stairs. Yeah. That, uh, it was a step down, down into Johnny the basement. Depp, and it was going to be even yeah. lower. It, 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 That's what it, exactly, I would have expected. Uh, because especially when you get a lot of stuff from the big studios at this moment in time, they tend to be saying, right, stick a two on it or call it a prequel or call it a pre-reboot. Put no imagination into it. Yeah. And hopefully we'll just throw muck at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. But like this no. is really, this is it's not so it. magical. Is, okay, but here's the so question magical. then. So yes. we've established it's better than the Johnny Depp verse. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Does it beat the original? No, but it's on a par. For me, I, I, I couldn't choose. I would be like, they are just, they are nose to nose. They are fantastic. That's high praise. That is high praise. And I mean it so sincerely. I'm not trying to sensationalise it. I really thought. And again, if you've seen the trailer and you're put off and you're kind of like, yeah, it doesn't look great. I would agree with you. The trailer does not look great. The movie itself is phenomenal. Guys, time is up. So thank Thank you for the recommendations as always, both for the wine and for the movies. Gareth Kyo. 
And Lynn Berry, thank you very much thank for making you, time Ellen. for us. Happy New Year. Happy Shannon New Year. Fogarty put it all together today along with Claire O'Brien and the news team. We'll chat tomorrow morning from nine. Take care. Bye-bye. Rewind and review with Wines Direct, celebrating the sheer joy that exceptional wine brings and its power to forge connections among people. WinesDirect.ie Enjoy alcohol responsibly. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Student Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.